Today we're going to talk about a biblical truth that I've never heard discussed in a church service. Today I'm going to tell you a biblical truth, and I mean from God's Word, that I've never heard one sermon on. I mean not one sermon. Today I'm going to tell you a biblical truth that very honestly today will be largely unpopular that could be considered highly intolerant, and I'll just tell you, to some, will be profoundly abrasive. And it is a biblical truth that Satan would like for us to sugarcoat, and there's a lot of folks doing that. It is a biblical truth that that a whole lot of folks would like to just set aside. And that biblical truth is this. Listen to me today. There is a way to go to hell. Now that's not going to look good on the website, but today's message is actually entitled How to Go to Hell. That's the sermon title today. And you may be sitting there and say, well, we know that. Uh, we understand that. We do not need to hear a sermon on this. If there is a way to go to heaven, it just makes a whole lot of sense. There's going to be a way to go to hell as well. And you might say, we, we get that. And I'll just tell you, intellectually, I think we may see that. We may get that. But also, I want to tell you this morning, I believe practically, and even in the church, we do not believe it. Now, I might sit here and you might sit here and say, yes, we know there's a way to go to hell. But I'll just tell you very practically, in the way that we live our life, we really do not believe it. Now, let me give you the reason why. Let me show you the reason why. You watch today, and I'll just encourage you, open your eyes and look around, and you watch today, and when any person passes away, whether they are a young person or an old person, any person, whether they're a man or a woman, whether they're a saint or some low-down scoundrel, uh, you let any person pass away, and we act like, and even in the church, we will even say, well, they are in heaven, Praise God, they are in heaven. And we act like really automatically the the criteria for being in heaven is that you died. And if you died, well, praise God, they are in heaven. I I looked and I I was thinking about this. Uh, I have honestly never been to a funeral. And I went back and looked at the list of, of the folks that I had performed their funerals. I've never been to a funeral and I've never done a funeral that the closest family and the closest friends did not think that that person was in heaven. And I'll just tell you, that's the truth. I've never done a funeral. I've I've never presided over one that the, the closest friends and the closest family did not think they were in heaven. And, and I'll go and I'll meet with the family and they'll say, oh man, they would give you the shirt off their back. Surely they're in heaven. And they'll come and say, oh, they were, they were my great friend. And for many years, we were great friends. And we went through a whole lot of stuff together. And praise God, they're in heaven. Or they'll come, and especially for men, they'll say, man, they, they worked hard. And they were a man of character. And they took care of their business. And they took care of their family. And they did those things. And so, man, they worked hard. Praise God, they're in heaven. I actually had someone tell me one time, he kept a nice yard. Praise God, he's in heaven. Somebody else said, well, they, they loved animals. I know they're in heaven. 
If, if you love animals, that shows your heart and the condition of your heart. And, and you could not love animals and not go to heaven. And so we just have this thing that we naturally assume if you died, you're in heaven. And yet the Bible says most people, the majority of people are on a wide path. The Bible says a broad path that leads to destruction. Friends, we need to start saying there is a way to go to hell. And then we need to lead people away from it. Today our message is actually entitled, How to Go to Hell. We're in Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at three verses, verses 8, 9, and 10. Again, Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 12, beginning here this morning in the 8th verse. And Jesus is speaking and he says this. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. I'm rejoicing in you. I come and I'm thankful as we were just singing for the blood of Jesus Christ that we could be forgiven, that we could have a new start today, that we could be right with the Holy God. May we not lose the excitement over what we have in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for a church body that comes together and that we might draw off each other, that we might encourage one another, that we might pray for each other, that all of us again will be in the business of glorifying your name. We come now and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And I pray right now that you would speak your message to your people. Correct us, teach us, guide us, bless us. Some of us save us today in the hearing of your word. I tell you this, I love you. And I praise you. And I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. In our context today, Jesus is speaking. And we find that he is speaking here to a very large crowd. If you remember back in in verse 1 of chapter 12, we see that it is actually becoming a dangerously large crowd. And we see last week in the preceding verses that he has just talked to them about fears that are unfounded, fears that really are not worth considering. And then he has talked to them about the fear that is founded, the fear that is worth considering. And he has told them very plainly, do not worry about, do not fear the temporal. Do not fear that which is temporary, but fear that which is Eternal. And if you'll remember last week, he told them that that is the truth that he, as the Christ, has the authority to cast someone into hell. And last week we saw that. And I'll just tell you the, the main points as we looked at those verses last week, I came away with two main things. And those things are this. Number one from last week, hell is real. 
We live in an age where we say, well, maybe people just cease to exist or they just go off into nothingness or they become something else. Well, the truth, what Jesus says is hell is real. Doesn't matter what the world wants to accept. Doesn't matter what the world will promote. Hell, according to Jesus, is real. And then the second thing we saw last week is that he has the authority to send someone there. Last week I talked about, you know what, that's a picture we do not want to paint. We, we want to picture Jesus with the little kids. But, but you know what, last week Jesus said of himself, he holds the authority to cast someone into hell. And we looked at that last week. Now let me just tell you this, very honestly, on the onset, or, or maybe from the outside looking in, it seems very hard. Man, that, that seems very tough. That really seems kind of legalistic. But, but I want you to get this, and hopefully you started to get it last week, and, and you're going to see it again this week. Do not miss this. It may seem tough, but it is really motivated by love. It is motivated by God's great immeasurable love that he would tell them the truth. Now you say, why is that? It's because he desires that not one. In fact, the Bible says that no one, not one, should perish. That not one should have to go there. And so understand, it is not not some hard language. It is motivated in love. You say, well, how do you know that? That sounds very judgmental to me. That sounds very hard to me. How do you know his motivation? Friend, think about the cross. Think about the cross for just a second. He doesn't have to go to the cross of Calvary. He doesn't send somebody else to go to the cross of Calvary. He comes and lives as a man and he does not sin. And he, the Bible says, willingly submits to the cross of Calvary. And there his arms are outstretched. And there nails are pierced through his body. And there a crown of thorns is twisted and shoved into his brow. And his blood runs out. And there he dies on the cross of Calvary in the greatest act of love. He does that so that whosoever will would not have to. It's all about love. It's motivated by love. Well, in that great love, if he desires that none would go to hell, in that great love, he then tells us the truth about how to avoid it. And that is what our verses are about today. That's what our section is about today. Now, let me say something right here, and and I'll just be very plain with you. These are my thoughts. This is my statement And if you do not like it, it's on me. Now, don't come and tell me that, but it's on me if you do not like it. I get tired of people who say that I seem mad or that it seems unloving or that it seems unaccepting to talk about these subjects of judgment and hell. And there's actually people that come and say, man, you're going to run everybody off from our church. And, and what are you so mad about when you talk about the subjects of judgment, sin, 
and hell. And people come and tell me that. And then you got all these other guys, and, and I don't have to tell you, you know their names. Some of them are in local churches, and, and some of them are in mega churches, and some of them are selling a bunch of popular books, and, and they get to stand around with a great big smile, and they get to say, you know what, I just stay away from those subjects of sin and judgment and hell. And at my church, all that I'm going to preach on, all that I'm going to talk about is love because the greatest of these is love anyway. Well, friends, let me tell you today, it is not love to lead hurting people to feel good for a season and then ultimately end up in the reality of hell. That is not love. So what does Jesus say? Motivated by love, what does Jesus say? Let's look at verse 8. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. Now listen to verse 8 again, that's a big deal. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. Now understand, verse 8 is a big verse. Verse 8 really is a very big time verse. Now you read that and you start to say, well, what is verse 8 about? Well, I'll tell you today, verse 8 really is about faith. Verse 8 is about faith. And I'm gonna, I want to show you from this verse three things about this faith. First is this. It is a saving faith. It is a saving faith. And you might sit there and you might ask, well, what is the difference in faith and a saving faith? What's the difference in, in any faith? We put faith in a lot of things. What's the difference in any type of faith or, or faith in anything and a saving faith? Now, let me just tell you, if you're about to drift off, sit up and listen up. It's about to get good. Listen to this. Some of you were. A save, listen to me, a saving faith is placed in the person of Jesus Christ. Very simply, a saving faith is in Jesus alone. Notice here, Jesus says, here's the criteria. Notice this in verse 8. Everyone who confesses, notice this, the most important word, everyone who confesses me. Me, everyone who confesses me. See that today. Be very sure of that today. The criteria is Jesus. The dividing line is Jesus. The truth, and really the only truth, is Jesus. The starting place is Jesus. The tipping point is Jesus. The determining factor is Jesus. The standard by which you're going to be judged, it's not on anything else. It's not on your work. The standard by which you're going to be judged is Jesus. The hope, if you're ever going to have any hope, is in Jesus. The peace, if you're ever going to find peace, is in Jesus. The forgiveness of sin that you might be right before a holy God only comes through Jesus. Eternal life, abundant without end, is found in Jesus. Now, I don't know if you're making the connection, but it's all about Jesus. How tremendous. There is a name I love to hear. 
I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. It tells me of a Savior's love who came to set me free. It tells me of His precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Praise God. Saving faith is in Jesus Christ alone. Second thing. First, it is a saving faith because of Jesus. Second thing, it is a settled faith. It is a settled faith. Now, let's slow down here for just a second. We have to pull this or we have to get this from the context. Understand, in this age, in this time, if you said something, if you professed something, it was because you personally held it to be true. Now, this was a time and this was a culture when your reputation and really your character was tied very closely to your word. Now, I wish we lived in that day today, but in this culture, your reputation and your character was tied very closely to your word. And so you would not say something in falsehood. You wouldn't say something very flippantly in jest. You wouldn't say something unless you held it to be true. And so basically, it was a saving faith in the truth of who Jesus is. But it's more than just information. It's more than just knowledge. It's more than just some kind of intellectual data. It was a faith of who Jesus is that is settled in your heart. A couple years ago, there was a pastor who wrote a book that became a bestseller that was called Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. And he called this, and he was somewhat of a Baptist preacher, uh, he said this was a religious tradition that is unbiblical and has nothing to do with true salvation. Now, I can see where he might come up with that. I can tell you he's absolutely wrong But let me tell you today, our response to Jesus Christ starts in our head. Now, we do not want to be ignorant. We want to be informed. Our response to Jesus Christ starts in our head. But I want to tell you, it is received and it is grounded in our hearts. It's a heart's response to the truth of who Jesus is. That's why Paul says in Romans 10, chapter 9, that we would confess with our mouths because we're not liars. We confess in our mouths what we believe and have settled in our hearts. So it's a settled faith in Jesus Christ. So we see here, it is a saving faith. It is also a settled faith. Third, it is a confessed faith. It is a confessed faith. Now, I looked at this. Now, I spent a lot of time looking at this, and I want you to be sure and understand what I'm saying here. We're not saved by proclaiming Jesus. Now, it's not the act of doing that. In fact, Jesus says, some who proclaim Jesus 
will not be saved. But at the same time, we're not saved by going out and having the act of proclaiming Jesus. But at the same time, we can't put our faith in Jesus. We can't put our faith in the truth of who He is. We can't claim Him and understand Him as the Messiah. We can't settle that in our inward being, in our hearts, and it not impact our outward life, our outward confession. Let me just tell you, in the church today, we've allowed some people to profess Christ with their mouths and proclaim Jesus with their mouths. There never was a a heart change of faith in in their inner being, in their heart, and that's false. And then we've got some other folks in the church, and we've allowed them to say, you know what, I've settled it in my heart, but there's been no outward change in their life. And I want to tell you, that's just as false. The truth is, when I settle it on the inside, I can't help but but it be evidenced on the outside. And I'll just tell you why we're at it. The Bible says that is primarily through our mouths. As Christians, we profess Jesus Christ. We affirm the gospel of Jesus Christ. We go and we proclaim the the gospel message that Jesus is our Lord and our hope. And I want to tell you, as Christians, unashamedly, we are to be a professing people. If you get around a follower of Jesus Christ, they ought to say, I understand. I only have hope because of Jesus. I only have eternal life because of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you about that hope. We are a professing people because of the response of our heart. And then, because of our faith, saving faith, a settled faith, a confessed faith, because of our faith in Jesus, verse 8 tells us, Jesus then testifies to the host of heaven of our salvation. Now to re-emphasize this, to re-strengthen his argument, what he's saying here, Jesus then reverses it and restates it in verse 9. Look at verse 9. It says this, But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Now let's work through this verse, verse 9. Understand here in verse 9, there is no saving faith. It says, denies me. The hinge point is still Jesus. There is no saving faith. And so there is no settled faith. There's no heart response to Jesus. And because there's no saving faith and there is no settled faith, there cannot be a confessed faith. And so this is a person who rejects the truth of who Jesus is. And because they've rejected the truth of who Jesus is, Jesus then confirms their lostness before the testimony of the hosts of heaven. That's what that verse means. You know what? They don't have a heart response to Christ. They have no saving faith in Jesus Christ. They can't confess it because they do not believe it. And Jesus himself testifies to their lostness before the angels in heaven. point of all this is this, for them, for you, there's a choice to make. 
really read, read the whole 12th chapter here. The whole 12th chapter is talking about there's a choice to make. There's a decision for you to make. Now the choice here is for you to personally acknowledge Jesus because you have a faith in Jesus or to not personally acknowledge Jesus because you do not have your faith in Jesus. And, and he's calling them to a point of decision. Listen to me. You can acknowledge him because you have a harsh response to him or you can remain silent because you do not know him. You have a choice to make. Same today. He's calling you to a decision. Imagine the scene. You, upon your response to the gospel, you will come before Jesus. And all of the hosts of heaven will look on. Here you are and you appear before Jesus and all of these angels, countless angels, they began to peer down upon you and they began to set their eyes upon you and their ears began to strain to listen, not in judgment, they're not going to get to judge, but as witnesses to the judgment that's soon going to be rendered by the king. And here you are and there's Jesus. He's no longer scourged and beaten upon the earth, but now he's the ruling and reigning king. And he's not wearing some cloth that they strip off of him and beat him in nakedness. Now he's robed in his royal gown. And there, in case you're not sure who he is, on his thigh it says, the Lord of lords and the kings of kings. And there he sits there on his throne, the place of authority, the place that's given to him to judge. And as you look at the ruling and reigning king, as you, as you start to look at his majesty, you see in his hands there's holes. And there, in the presence of all those angels, upon your response to Jesus, you're either going to hear, depart from me, evildoer, I have no part of you. Or because of your faith response to Jesus, He's going to say, in my Father's house are many mansions. Come into the presence of the Lord. Your faith has made you clean. Reject Jesus and go to hell. That is the truth of the gospel. Reject Jesus and go to hell. Look at verse 10. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. It will not be forgiven him. Now as we head to verse 10, do not jump to another subject. Understand this is the same subject and it's making the same point. Now, there are some that say, well, this turns to a discussion on the Holy Spirit. And they begin to teach some distorted truths, distorted falsehoods about the Holy Spirit. And I've, I've heard those things when people talk to me. And they'll say, well, if you, this is what the Holy Spirit did. And I say, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And they begin to distort the truth of the Holy Spirit. And some people do that. And then there's some others. And they take this verse to talk about an unpardonable sin. 
And they wonder, well, what is the unpardonable sin? What is the thing that you can do that God can never forgive you? And, and maybe it's suicide or, or maybe it's some other thing. And understand, that's not the point either. Really, it is the same subject. Listen to me. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to testify to the truth of Jesus. Now that's foundational. Be sure you get that. The Holy Spirit of God testifies to the truth of Jesus. He points to the truth of Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God glorifies Jesus. Go and read John chapter 16. It is very clear. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. He glorifies Jesus. Now let me, let me say this very quickly. Not going to be a main point, but listen to this. Any work of the Holy Spirit that someone is saying is a work of the Holy Spirit that doesn't clearly point to Jesus, that doesn't glorify Jesus, is not of God. Well, it happened. Well, I don't care if it doesn't point to Jesus. It is not of God. Jesus says here in verse 10, now listen to this. Jesus says, you can talk about him and be forgiven. Remember, his brothers, they talked about him in, in the book of Acts. They were forgiven. Peter denied him, and he's later forgiven. You can talk about Jesus, and you can be forgiven for that. You can be restored of that. But he says here, if you deny the testimony of the Holy Spirit, if you call the Holy Spirit a liar concerning Jesus, if you do that, you will have no hope. If you call the Holy Spirit a liar when he testifies of the truth of who Jesus is, you will perish. There is no forgiveness for you. Hinge points, Jesus. Holy Spirit's testifying to Jesus. The church, if it's doing what it should, is pointing to Jesus. Reject Jesus and you will go to hell. How sad is that? How, how tremendously sad is that? I go and I preach these funerals and and I'm not the judge, I'm not the final judge, and in my opinion it really doesn't matter, but you look, and, and they had no relationship with Christ. They had no fruit showing they had a relationship with Christ. And you go, and you think, you know, most likely, again, I'm not their judge, most likely they're not in heaven. And you come, and everybody's saying, look at, don't they look good? Look at the flowers, and, and they'd have given you the shirt off their back, and, and oh, they're not in heaven. And the truth is this, Jesus paid it. Jesus already paid it. The, the testimony of the Holy Spirit pointed to it. The, the church should have been crying out. And they're lost. Nothing could be sadder. There is a way to go to hell. But I want to tell you, because of the grace of a loving God, there's a way also to go to heaven. Let's pray. And Father, we come. And I, I'm thankful again for, for the truth of your word. I'm thankful that you tell it to us, that you love us enough to be honest. I wish we would do the same. That you love us enough to, to come and secure it for us on the death, your death at Calvary. That your grace and, 
and your mercy are made known to us sinful people. I'm thankful for that. I pray that today that some of us here might realize there is hope alone in Jesus. There is a way to go to hell. But there's God's grace through faith in Jesus that you might be saved. I pray that some are coming to that realization in this hour. I pray that their eternity will be changed in this hour. Move in their heart, dear God. I pray for some of us here today that we've, we've made that decision, but we've become cold to the fact that there's a way to go to hell and the road is wide and most people are on that road. Give us an urgency to do something about it. Give us an urgency to stand against the grain and, and to point to Jesus. He's our hope. Move in your people, God. Once again, we come and we just tell you we love you. We bless you. We submit to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close this morning with a time of response, a time of invitation. And there's a couple of responses that will be appropriate to the, to the message you've heard. First is this. If you're here and you do not have a relationship with Christ, what would keep you from settling that today? Oh, I need some more information. Oh, I'm not ready to give that stuff up. Oh, my friends might think I'm a kook. Oh, the pride that I have or all the, the priority, the things I'm seeking would have to turn. What would keep you? from putting your faith in Jesus Christ. See, the truth is this. We're all sinners, every one of us. Because of that sin, we've earned a punishment. You've earned a punishment. And it's death. The Bible says God loved you so much He sent His only begotten Son. And He came and He stepped into the realm as a human man. And He lived a life with no sin and He actually physically died on the cross of Calvary. That was your punishment. That's true love. Put him in a grave. And three days later, he comes out of the grave. He's alive, victorious, paying the price for sin, defeating death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He's defeated death. The Bible says if you believe that in your heart, and if you'll profess it in your mouth because you're a person of integrity and you're not a liar, that you will be saved. Romans 10, 9, 10, 13. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to settle that today. I've, I've heard about it or I've been on the fringe of it or, or this is new information, but today I want to settle it. Jesus has paid for it. The Spirit has pushed me to that. God's Word has pointed me that day, that direction, and today I'm going to settle it. In just a moment, we're going to have a, a, a time of response. And I want to encourage you to come and just to meet me at the front and say, today is that day. I settle it. I'm not a hypocrite and I'm not a coward. And if I believe something in my heart, I will publicly profess my Savior, Jesus Christ. Just a moment, you come and meet me here and we'll settle it. Settle it today. Don't worry about your pride. Don't worry about what, well, what are they going to think? They're going to pray for you. They're going to rejoice with you. Come and meet me here today. Settle it today. Maybe you're here and you are a follower of Christ. But you've never fallen in believers' baptism. The Bible says this is really how we publicly show people. We, we're baptized and it shows people, you know what? Jesus went in the grave and came out of it. And that's a picture of that. It's, it's a picture of my old self has died. Man, I was sick of my old self and he's died. And now I now walk with Jesus. It's a testimony to what we believe has happened to Jesus and to us through Jesus. And there's some in this room that need to come and say, you know what? I need to get that right. In obedience to Christ, I need to set that right. And I need to follow in believer's baptism. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I will show it to my friends and my family in this town and this church through baptism. You'd come as well and say, you know what, I am a Christian. Maybe for a short time, maybe for a long time. But I need to follow in believer's baptism.
we'll settle that as well. Maybe you're looking for a church home, and I'll just tell you, if you've prayed about it and you believe God's led you here, then you'd come at this same time and say, you know what, I, I believe God calling us or me here to, to serve here and to glorify Him here, and you'll come and you'll join this church to, to His glory. And if that's what God's called you to do, we'll take care of that this morning as well. Maybe, maybe you want to pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. Maybe, maybe in my prayers that you've been impressed upon, we're not urgent enough of those on the broad road. We're not urgent enough that folks are going to go to hell. They did last week and some more will this week. And we're going to sit here quietly. And then we need to profess him before men. Maybe that's what God's put on your heart. You want to come and pray at an altar pray with me. This is our time of response. We're not in a hurry to get anywhere. We'll be done in just a moment. I'll ask no one head to an exit. We'll be done very shortly. But I'm going to ask, if God's spoken to you today, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here at the front. If God's spoken to you, you step out. You come on. We stand to sing. You come on.